Cheers, everyone, and welcome to the Heath Bar. I'm your host, Heath Johnson. Each week, I sit down with an artist, creator, or leader who lives or passes through the Black Hills area, kick back a few drinks, and chat about their story. There's some incredible people that surround us, and this is your chance to get to know more about them. From singer-songwriters, film producers, craft brewers, community leaders, and more, the Heath Bar serves up a healthy selection of chats on tap. You can find this and past episodes on iTunes Podcasts and Spotify as well. Just subscribe in the app and you'll know right when your conversation is ready for you. There's also blog posts about the episodes, links to find more info on the guests, merch, and my public schedule as well at heathbaronline.com. Also, get social with the Heath Bar on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter with the handle at heathbaronline. Interested in becoming a regular at the Heath Bar? Join up at patreon.com forward slash the Heath Bar and toss in a buck or so a month. You'll get exclusive access and input into who should be an upcoming guest on the show. This week, Andrew Jant, also known as Trap Kit, the mastermind behind Sodak.tv, is here at the Heath Bar. Met him several years ago at a songwriter showcase at Miner's Brewing in Hill City, South Dakota. And I don't remember how it happened, but before long, we were interacting pretty regularly. After all, he was a songwriter, and I was in the beginning stages of building up the South Dakota Songwriters Association. He'd offer some help on projects and events, and I would accept. He had a drive that I had yet to see in the Black Hills at that time. He'd come up with an idea and pitch it to me, or would have a way to make an idea of mine even better. It seemed that anything he set his mind to was bound to happen. He knows how to work with people to get things accomplished, which at the time was a skill I was working on developing myself. I was great at coming up with ideas, but being able to connect those ideas with people who had the resources to make them happen was still a few years off for me. Andrew had had that skill already years before I met him. In this episode, you're going to learn a little bit about his story. He'll talk about his journey and how he was born in South Dakota, moved to Arizona, California, worked in Washington, D.C., and ended up moving back to Rapid City. You'll discover some of the situations that he found himself in during his time in Cali, which quite frankly are astounding. I don't know anyone else who happens to bump into George Lucas in a coffee shop or has Jason Mraz end up in a video they're shooting simply because they happen to be there. His drive and willingness to put himself out there no matter the result is what I find most inspiring. As he puts it, you'll pursue hundreds of opportunities and 90 to 95% of them will be dead ends, but that 5 to 10% can change your life. So be okay with all the no's, because there are yeses out there waiting for you. Through all those stories though, what I hope you take away from this interview is that Andrew is a person who is all in. He doesn't do anything half-assed. If there's something he wants to do, he makes sure that he does it to the best of his ability. It is unbelievable how someone with this much skill and talent has been able to do all that he has done so far in his life. It's not easy playing his style of music in South Dakota, where the culture is biased towards country music and rock and roll. But he does it. If you go to his shows, you'll soon discover that his music isn't something he's playing for you. It's an invitation to discover who he is. Because his music is just that. His best self put out there for all to see. Welcome to the Heath Bar, where the conversations are always on tap. What's 
So for those of you listening, I am here with Andrew Jant, uh, aka Trapkit, aka the Sodak Dot TV guy. Emphasis on the dot, we're, dot. because that's important. <laughs> um, and we're here at the Heath Bar, which is pretty neat. Um, new thing we're doing up here, and uh, yeah, so thanks for coming. Um, so the first thing I was thinking, because I've known you for how many years now? Uh, probably two or three, at least two, three, three-ish, maybe four. So when we first met, it was it was at Minor Brewing. Minor Brewing Company. There was a songwriters uh, event where there's five or six of us, mm-hmm. and uh, you showed up late. I did. So I didn't really get to know you other than you came in, you played your stuff, and by then I was several into Minor's Brewing, so I was having a great time, <laughs> and uh, and I remember listening to your stuff and didn't really talk to you that much, and. Uh, yeah, and then I don't think I saw you again for about a year. Yeah. I, back in those days, even that was just a little while ago, everything seemed so segmented, you know? Yeah. I think you had some merch there, like you had like a t-shirts or like a banner or something. Oh, gosh. And I was like, uh, it, might, it might be the one with the beard and the genuine acoustic, I can't remember, but mm-hmm. I was like, oh, yeah, this guy's got, he's got a banner, man. He's like the real deal. <laughs> he, lo- he looks like he's, yeah. No, I, I remember getting those... Um, had a buddy of mine draw that logo up for me. He's a tattoo artist, which is what you do, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And um, he drew it up, and I still have all of those T-shirts, I think. Um, I have one, but it doesn't fit me anymore. <laughs> which is good. I, I actually went the opposite way, so that's good. I need oh, yeah, that's right. Smaller, I need that's to get pretty sweet. Down, so that's cool. Well, I do, have, I do have many more if you would like to get a replacement. Good to know. Good to know. They have been giveaways and everything like that. Um, but yeah, so I've, I've known you for several years now. It was a couple years at least that we've been hanging out pretty regularly yeah. and just talking and getting to know each other and, and doing all the, all the music stuff out here in Western South Dakota and that. And I know that you've been influential for me in a lot of that and stuff. And uh, so yeah, I'm glad you're here. It's going to be cool to talk with you and just to get to, get to know a little bit more of, of the Jant. All the different nicknames we gave you. We'll, oh, yeah. I'm sure we'll cover those. I'll save those for later. <laughs> um, so you, you're originally from here, is that right? I grew, yeah, I grew up, um, I was born in Huron, born in East River. Oh, no okay. kidding. And then uh, moved to Rapid City when I was a first grader, so grew up here all the way through high school. Okay. And um, left after that. I wanted to get to kind of that experience of what it was like to escape the, in my mind, small town, although Rapid's, you know, medium size. In actuality, but yeah, it's cool that you use the word escape. Like yeah. that's just how you saw it then. Yeah, I, th- I literally was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta get out and uh, mm-hmm. go spread my wings. And to me, that meant um, getting about as far away as possible. We we had a we had a huge yard um, at the house I grew up in, so you're either mowing, picking up sticks, raking leaves. shoveling. That was like that was like the activity. I mean, you didn't even need to play sports. Like you just go out and <laughs> shovel. I mean. Uh, as you're well aware of today, oh, yeah. it happened at your house here today. So shoveled for a good two hours. Yeah, that's good. Um, but yeah, grew up and grew up here, and just viewed it really as getting out. I, I moved to Arizona, and I um, ended up buying a house down there that had uh, some plants, and it had a watering system that would just water the plants like once a week. It would just for like 15 minutes, and no maintenance, no nothing. And I was like, this is paradise. <laughs> I still think that that is right. You know, the people in Phoenix, like they've got that, they've got a life dialed in pretty good, I think. So now, because um, I had, I have some family that lives down in Arizona, and um, my fiance does too, and I, w- 
Do they they still do like grass lawns or a lot of them do do rock? <clears throat> yeah, right? I, my, mine was all rock. Okay, I didn't have any. I had like pavers was like the classy thing I did. <laughs> I put in like That's some funny. steps just because the rocks were so hot. I put in some like cool cool creek pavers or something to walk to the pool and. Like, That's funny. That's those great. Those are the old days, I guess. So that's yeah, that's great. great. So, so you moved there. How old were you? Eighteen. You're eighteen years yeah, old. So that was you ago. leaving the house on your own. Yep. And um, moving away to the big city, and you know, I was gonna. That was great. I, I love uh, love Phoenix. I think it's a perfect spot. It's, it while it is you know it does have millions in population or whatever, it, it still feels like a small town, and it's hmm. a great spot. So that's cool. I uh, went to undergrad there, and. Um, had some of these film filmmaking skills that I had just picked up right before I left and kind of honed them there and then honed them in other cities that I'd lived in after that as well. So That's really cool. And you went to, uh, what was your undergrad in? Uh, like what field? Yeah. Supply chain management and general business management. I did okay. two, two specialties there. Gotcha. So, um, nothing to do. I've, I still to this day have never taken like a film production or editing class. Never once? Never. I mean, I, I took a... Um, like an international theater class or something, or like foreign film class that was great and exposed me to some awesome things. But yeah, I've never had, I've never even had a mentor in this stuff before. So it was all trial and error, like pre Google times, right? Pre, like, yeah. You, if you had a problem, there was no real help menu or Couldn't just do menu. a quick search. Yeah. And no how, search. How would you do <laughs> no this? Capabilities. The YouTube how to's. Yeah, none of that. <laughs> none of that. So, um, so did that, would you say, because California is where that kind of really picked up for you, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, but um, it, it kind of, you gained interest prior to that. Then. Yep. Okay. So I had, uh, we did a movie. I got into snowboarding, and I love snowboarding. I grew up doing that, and I realized that I had these friends that were just, like, so much better than me at snowboarding, and I had this camera, so I was like, well, I'll just film them, and we'll emulate the pros, right? And some of our friends got really good, and we had some competitions there up at the local mountain here, and... We were able to get some really cool things, and we put together a movie. And it was 17 minutes long, and this was in the year 2000. So I was just a high school kid. Mm -hmm. And we, we convinced um, the Elks Theater to let us use that film as the opening act for the like big snowboard film that my buddy had rented out the like upstairs theater for. So I was 17, and we got to go. I dressed like you know really fancy in that day. Like, oh my gosh! I, got, I might have even worn black leather pants to be honest with you. <laughs> well, I, I, that is one thing I have learned about you: is your fashion is is second to none, man. <laughs> okay, I'll take that. You might have to edit all that out, you know. You got it down. Um, but yeah, so I got to I got to to see what it was like to see a creation on on a big screen, um, huh. at a hugely impressionable age at 17. Yeah. And, the next year, um, I made my basically. I was like co-producer of this first one because I didn't have any resources at that time. We were um, there was no way that we had to transfer VHS tapes to digital, so we just would slow them down and go frame by frame and press that on a camcorder, and to do slow motion. And then we would just set up a tripod and film a television, and that's how we like digitized all the footage for this thing. So, so it's like that's how that's how long ago I started. Okay, so say that one more time. So you you couldn't slow it down. We couldn't slow down, and we had VHS tapes because we before I got that digital camera, yeah. but we needed a digital signal to edit. So you would just so, so we would literally it. click the next frame on the um, 
on the old camera, like, like okay. one, two, three, yeah. four, five, and just kind of paste it out to where it, like, it oh played back in slow motion, you know, or something like that. How long so, is the VAP process going to take? I mean, those, are, those processes are great. We did those um, with, a, with a buddy of mine. His dad had a, a computer in Newcastle, Wyoming, so I like... You know, it was this great experience to like leave town and go to this production facility. Oh yeah, which is basically just a house with a computer that was nicer <laughs> than anybody that I knew. And um, so we made we made this uh, film, and I think it's still we had it on YouTube. It's been a lot of years since I've looked at it, but um, it's, it's probably still up fun. there. Yeah, it's probably still up there. No, YouTube doesn't get rid of anything. Yeah, and then we did um, the following year. I did another one, and I did most of it, and it was done on that that first camera that I got, and. Um, it was amazing. So we did we did two like full feature length snowboard movies. The second one was twenty some minutes or something, and featured all these local writers. It was it was great. So that was how I really got my start. Um, and then the music thing kind of came after that, I guess. Hmm. But um, so, and that was up here. You said. Yep. Yep. Here. Okay. And then uh, I did the I did the second film when I was a, a freshman at Arizona State. Okay. So like while everybody was out like having fun and meeting all their new new people i was like the nerd like learning digital you're video editing and yeah all that stuff so like hey man your your life's walking wasting you by and you're sitting there like no this is my life this is my life this will be this will be good i had some someday. friends like that so so uh you couldn't snowboard so, you, so that's why you did the filming no no um, i couldn't snowboard i just wasn't as good as oh, the others okay, that gotcha. were the stars okay you know, so. yeah it kind of reminds me of having to get uh, water bottles for the guys that played sports. Yeah, I, I also did that. So maybe, <laughs> maybe I did that. Maybe that was my pre-training. Was... <laughs> Just getting you ready for it, yeah. man. Uh, so then you got to Cali, and uh, I think that that's where I, I think I know the most about, as far as your history goes, yeah. is just um, the stuff that you were involved with and doing and working down in Cali, and um, just kind of what uh, um, can you, you got into some video production there. Yep, I. Um, um, uh, what I love about California is California is like, okay, so say you set a goal and you've got a dream. Mm-hmm. Most places on earth, are, they just stay a dream. California has like an infinite amount, seemingly infinite amount of resources to help make that happen. Um, it always kind of, like, it's hard for me to understand that, I guess. So, okay. Because, um, I mean, ultimately it's just people, right? It's just people. But the people that are more ingrained in the things that I was interested in, so... If I wanted to be in, in video production in, let's say, like rural North Dakota or mm-hmm. something like that, that's pretty tough unless you've got like your own production facility and you're covering that area. But it's not uncommon to go knock on 10 of your neighbor's doors and two of them are producers or somebody that, were, you know, I lived with a gal who was a um, great roommate, uh, producer for one of those like crime shows like... Uh, NCYS or one of those oh, CSI. Um, C- was, I think it was CSI. Was it CSI? It was New York, I think. So they did all the um, huh. secondary shooting in LA, and she handled all the production of all that stuff. But um, you know, you could go just Craigslist ads alone are like, okay, we're looking for a videographer to shoot a red carpet event. If you had a camera, you just got a hold of the people, you sent them whatever reel you had, and then they'd be like, okay, yeah, it's, it's a volunteer gig, but it's great for exposure. You know, we, we know how that goes as musicians. Yeah, that's a... That's a but, but what's great is when you do have, if you've got, like, celebrity interviews, and then you get that on, like, a, uh, one of the shows or the TMZs mm-hmm. or something like that, that really helps build your credibility in your name. So I did, I did do some of that stuff. Um, shot several red carpet events and also um, volunteered with the Christopher and Dana Ree Foundation. And at that time, it was called Life Rolls On. Mm-hmm. Foundation, and they had um, this amazing group of people that take 
paralyzed people and they get them in the ocean and they teach them how to surf. So I was, a, I was there, they have, you know, they take a long board and then they, well, they were taking literally foam noodles and like duct taping them around so the people that were riding them would kind of like not fall off. Oh, sure. And then they pepper in the water every like 10 feet a person there so when they fall off, they can't go under water. You know, they've, they've got the gear on, the life yeah. jackets and stuff. But So I, I started getting involved with those guys. I um, was really moved by a documentary I saw and ran into the founder at a surfing event. And I volunteered, just said, yeah, I have uh, would love to film. And then by this time I had way better camera gear at that time, you know, and mm-hmm. um, ended up <clears throat> being their kind of West Coast film guy for, I don't know, three to five, six years or something like that. And met an amazing amount of people through that group. And I found that when I went with what my heart said was right, mm-hmm. there was always these doors that were opened that I got to hang out and meet like some of my lifelong icons, like Brandon Boyd from Incubus um, or Anthony Keyes from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, like getting to shoot interviews with them and hang out with those people and stuff like that. These are all friends of friends out there. And So like when you, when you answer a Craigslist ad in Cali for... Exposure only. Exposure only. It you may very means well something. It, it, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's you know, if you if you the equivalent where we're living now is that you would go and you would volunteer to play maybe music at a place, and you'd be talked over, and then they wouldn't thank you and doesn't you know wouldn't even give you a meal or something. Yeah. Like, not, I'm not. I guess not trying to hate on the venues and stuff, but um, there's just like I said, an, a seemingly infinite amount of resources in California for things to happen, and if you have a game plan and you work at it, um, as I did, uh, you can, I, I would say, do some seemingly like, wonderful things. So I look back on my uh, Vimeo page, which was my like professional film page, uh-huh. and even the public one has like 107 videos or something like that. Hmm. Um, it's amazing to see the artists that we worked with and, and all that stuff. And um, I wanted to be a music video director, producer, whatever you want to call that. That was my goal in life, and I did one music video for a gal that I met that was just amazing, and um, she was a good friend and kind of an understudy of Jason Mraz. And we were filming at this, she wanted to film at this coffee shop that Jason hung out at frequently, and we went in there, and he happened to be there that day. And we all sat down and had breakfast. Like he is, you know what I mean, just hanging out. Well, I mean, that's that's how that's how it is, that's, that's, that's what California is like. You know, See, I've, never, I've never actually There been. might be a random coffee shop where a uh, multi-lifetime like lifetime achievement Grammy guy comes and hangs out. That's just his coffee shop. That's his coffee shop, yeah. And yeah, I guess. It's, run, it's owned by their friends. They've got a group of 10 or 15 of these people um, that hang out in a great... And one of the gals, I forget her name right now, but she, she makes hula hoops. Like, that's her profession. So um, in order to promote her friend's hula hoop company and the coffee company, we did a shot of her walking through the parking lot while we have these people doing hula hoops, like hula hooping <laughs> in front of the coffee shop. This so what you're trying to idea. say is that famous people are real people too? Oh, oh absolutely. But I'm not sure I believe I mean, that. Uh, but um, I'm, just, just I, I'm sure that it depends, right? Like at least some level where like engineered image and that kind of stuff. But mm. uh, So the, the first music video that I did, Jason Mraz did a cameo. And I, I wasn't going to ask him because I wasn't going to be like, yeah, I really want your face to help make me, you know? Right. So I, I asked... Um, like three of the other people that were sitting at the table, I was like, "Hey, we're doing this thing for for um, for Dawn. She was there with me as well." And Jason said, "He goes, you just you guys on the camera, right? Like just you guys like this. This is how you're doing it." I said, "Yeah." And he goes, "That's how it should be done." 
And, you know, that was, I think, before he did the I'm Yours video, which was just him and a videographer. Out yeah. And, and uh, I may, maybe I got the song wrong. But he did do a video, like, in Hawaii with just him and a videographer, and he's, like, in a bus just walking and walking through the, the jungle and, like, hanging out of this bus. And mm-hmm. So he really, like, meant the fact that that's, that's how you should do this process. And it was really it was really great. But he ended up doing, like, a hula hoop sequence for us. And if you watch that video, he's in there hula hooping and... Um, he showed me that video yeah, so a couple years ago, yeah. It's it's just, I think it's just tremendous. But if you put yourself out there, California has always reciprocated and was, was very good to me in a lot of ways. So does any part of Cali just feel like uh, just saturated? Like you're just a, a small <clears throat> voice screaming in a in a crowd of people screaming. Yeah, I, I mean, it's there's so much there. It's so crowded. At best, I always felt like... A, a newcomer at a music festival, you know? Okay. It's that crowded, and you're, you're yelling, and you're screaming, and nobody hears you, mm-hmm. and you're just a number, mm-hmm. and you're not important, and in most cases, I didn't know the bands that were playing. <laughs> like, that's, uh, that's how I always felt like I was behind out there. Okay. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I have, I've got very fond memories. I, um, I have written a song about, like, kind of, is against California, I guess, in my own, like, on my... My musical stuff, but mm-hmm. uh, it's really about just against the inability for me to balance things well out there. Um, so, because I always wonder that, because I mean, obviously being a being here in South Dakota, it's it's and th- I mean, I think we're seeing we're seeing growth, obviously, and yeah. everything like that. But the saturation level of like videographers in California or songwriters in Nashville and Austin and places like that, like it's not. Wedding photographers anywhere, right? Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, so you you get that level where we're definitely not there here, and I always wonder, like, what what would drive someone to go to a place where where they are that they're just a number in a crowd, they don't know anything, and just and just starting like what what is it that what is it that would take you there and make you stick it? Because you were there for how long? Uh, eight years. You were there for eight, eight years. years. So, and that's that's the better part of a decade of your yeah. life spent in Cali, or from early twenties to like yeah. yeah thirty or something like that. And yeah, um, I think, I guess what's the what's the, what's drive? the drive? Yeah, to so, to stay so there for and me, power Cal- through all that. California meant um, the odds are like stacked against you out there. Yeah, it, I, I believe it, that. It, like the odds are stacked that all the dominoes will fall in towards you and you, they'll collapse on you and there's no room for you and there's you're not wanted and your voice doesn't matter and. Um, I was up for the challenge. I'm still up for the challenge. So that's it. It's the it's, it's the, the challenge, right? So so like it's the test fact of that, who you are. Like who am I? It's the fact that I walk down um, the stairs with my camera, following acts that walk out on a stage of you know thousands of people that applied for them. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something that I had to work my way up into, and the hustle is what like got me to those those stages. Um, I actually had an event at a Jason Mraz concert. They didn't. The Life Was On Foundation did not tell me that this was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, the CEO was standing next to me, and right before Jason Mraz came out for his concert, there were a couple opening acts and stuff. The lights went down, and they played this film that I had made for three thousand people um, in Long Beach, California. What the heck? And I looked at her, and she just smiled, and she said, "We, we weren't going to tell you. We wanted it to be a surprise." How and did that she feel? Gave, she gave me a hug, and I was like, "I mean." It was probably the biggest screen I've ever seen my stuff on. It was bigger than even the Elks Theater here. Yeah. Rapid, just this monster screen in this theater of, you know, terraces of people, thousands of people sold out. And I was like, okay, this is, this is what it's like. This know? is it. 
I mean, this that is it. it but. Yeah, but I mean, this is that's a, a a very fond memory of one of the successes of this. But um, so I I got a lot of really great things that came out of California. Um, I still have a lot of great connections in the music world, but um, I I didn't have enough money to go to concerts and have a camera. So I spent all of my money that I would have spent on concerts on a camera. <laughs> and, and around this time, I, I mean, I had this beautiful camera rig. Like, if you saw it, if you, you'd have been like, oh, it's, it, looked, it looks so much more professional than I was with my skills at the time. But it worked. And uh, so I didn't have any money for concerts, but I wanted to go. Mm-hmm. And what I started doing is I started looking at the concerts that were the people that were booked at uh, this beautiful venue mm-hmm. me, um, six weeks out when they announced it. And then I started to, like, I'd listen to them, do my research, and then if I really liked them, I'd reach out to their managers mm-hmm. or their um, street team rep or their the venue or their label or whoever, or them directly, depending on how big they were. Mm-hmm. And I said um, to a couple of these artists, and actually this, this started back when I was 19 at Arizona State, but I just, um, I carried it over into California. I, uh, I just wanted to have like some great token of what what we could produce together. So I, I was watching this blog um, based out of Paris called La Blogothèque. And it's started by this guy named Vincent Moon. And he gets like the greatest acts in the world about three years before you'll ever hear of him. I have no idea how he finds these people. Um, that's how I found the districts. I woke up from a nap one day and my YouTube was on autoplay and it was it was at the end of a song that La Blog Attack had done with them and I was just captivated and then I went and looked at that band and look at look at yeah. things happening now but yeah. um, uh, it's I don't know it's just an absolutely captivating experience to to deal with that stuff so I, so it's literally just putting yourself putting yourself out there hey I like this band I would like yep. to do something with them I'm gonna contact them and see what happens yeah and and is that kind of how it all works exactly yeah so it's and you've got to understand, um, it's mostly no's. Yeah. I would say, other than, I mean, now with us local, in the Sodak.tv thing is maybe a little different, but in California, it's about 90 to 95% just no responses. And then not five, even a hey, Not sorry, even a hey, no, it's not going to work. Yeah. It's just, just flat, no response. Um, about 5% was a response, and then maybe one in five of those would work out. Hmm. So you're looking right at about a 1% success rate. So if you look back at all those videos that I did for 10 years, and you see that there's 100 of those in and around the California area, you realize like all the work that went into those. Yeah. But as I got better, as I got better as a content creator and as a filmmaker and as an accidental audio tech mm-hmm. and an editor and title sequence guy... Um, I started to see like a 50% response rate. And, and then... So you started to develop kind of like a name. Yeah. So like, I, hey, I, this guy's I started... Worth um, salt. Sodak.tv is like the second iteration of this project that I had. I had TourLA.tv. Okay. And this was before there was, you know, social media. That, like, there was not Facebook video. All we had was YouTube and Vimeo was brand new. So this is like eight, ten years ago. Yeah. Um, has it been only so, that long? Yeah. So you had, to have, you had to have an actual website... To, to do any content. Yeah. And then I had a, like a Facebook page as soon as I could, as soon as that was developed for like businesses and all the jazz for it. And, and I would post like the YouTube videos there. It's, it's actually, I think, still live. But um, so Sodak.tv is basically like the second breath of something that I tried out for years and years and years and years. 
And go ahead. Well, I'm just trying to think. So you, um, when you were down there in Cali, uh, with, so it was called TourLA.TV. Yep. Okay. Um, so I'm sensing a theme. Yep. <laughs> um, did you, with the artists that you worked with down there, mm-hmm. uh, like, what was that like? Just getting to meet an artist who kind of got kind of got a following, kind of got a you know a fairly big following maybe, and just kind of working with them and meeting them and them not knowing you from yeah. Adam. Yeah, it was and, it was crazy. I mean, at first, I was like starstruck when when these people would get out of the van or walk around the corner sure. or we'd meet them at the venue and that stuff. And as I got better, and as as they started to watch my work, like when I would meet them. They'd say, "Oh man, can we do this? I really loved how you did this with so and so." Oh, cool. So they they had done they started to do their research like I was doing my research, and eventually we almost became um, peers or, or or something like that. Like, like you're in the you're in the same like we're in the same boat, and we're yeah. out there to create something great. And I think that that's carried over here into this project mm-hmm. quite a bit. Um, what I love about the current project, Sodak.tv, is that I had to reach out to people beforehand and now it's to the point where the i would say quote big acts that are coming through our region oftentimes have heard of it mm-hmm. have seen it have done their research and reach out to me to see if i'm available to work with them now that's quite so the, that's quite the shift yeah it's quite the shift because you only started this i i don't maybe 16 months ago 14 months. Yeah. i know it's been a little over a year but it's not it hasn't been two years that's so. crazy that's really crazy. Um, did you have any any of your uh, of the artists down there that you really liked working with? That was just like, hey, this was one of my yeah. My favorites. So um, Justine Bennett, she's a she's a tremendous singer songwriter. She had she did an EP and we met in West Hollywood and just went to like this back alley and there was this white fence or white uh, place with like a big red door. She was all dressed up and had this beautiful Martin guitar and stuff and it, that's that was just amazing. Well, it's a um, Martin. Like it's hard not to. Yeah, do I mean, oh, yeah, it's a great, great guitar and great songwriting and and wonderful gal and all that stuff. So, that was great. Um, these guys from Ireland are called Guggenheim Grotto. They're now called Storyman. Okay. Uh, I filmed in a back alley. It was my first three camera shoot with the wireless mic, like great sound. It was filmed in a back alley and it was really windy. And they did just a ukulele and two voices. What? And they're from Ireland. Irish guys are just amazing guys. And yeah. they did ukulele and two voices and three camera angles. And I had this lav mic tucked um, on the guy's uh, side of his shirt to where the wind would not catch it. And they loved the quality of that video so much. It was actually, we had a dinner party with some friends that mm-hmm. were hosting them. They were up there like having drinks and eating dinner and stuff. And I went down and I edited the thing on the spot. I was like in it. And put it in black and white and synced all the audio and did that stuff and did the three camera angle edit like within an hour, brought it up and I showed it to them. And they you were, had it they, ready for they, dessert. They were like, yeah, it was it basically it was dessert, you know? <laughs> and they were just blown away. So, so much so that they named their next album, The Universe is Laughing, after this, that song. Oh my goodness. And then I uploaded it to YouTube and I got in trouble with the record label because they had uploaded it to YouTube and it was considered like copyright infringement that I had. So I had to like fight to have my own content up. That was like, a, that was kind of a new thing, you know? Like, Tell me about that a little bit because that's, so, that's an interesting thing. I'm slowly learning more and more about what that um, looks like. It's, it's get, I don't know if I'd say it's getting worse or, or not, but like, uh, um, like on, on Facebook now, if you, if you were singing in your car along to a hit radio song, and something funny happened, and you put that up, 
the algorithm would find that, yeah, like that's, that that's Justin Bieber or yeah. Tame Impala or t Taylor Swift or whatever, and it'll, it'll block your video. Um, I did a, a benefit for a cancer walk. Like I just volunteered and filmed this thing recently um, within the last year, and I had to fight Facebook to let them keep it on. I was like, this is, it was just on my personal page. It wasn't like I was, you know, they were like, this is copyright, copyright uh, right. Right audio, and you don't have any, and I was like, well, the so first I time I saw that. that happen, like, I, I went to, one of my daughters had a ballet recital, mm -hmm. both of my daughters, and uh, they were, it was a Christmas ballet recital, and the song uh, they were dancing to was Santa Baby, okay. and I went to do a live stream so my family could watch it, and Facebook wouldn't let me do it because it recognized the song. Oh, on a, Santa even on a Baby. live stream, huh? Even though, yeah, even I didn't know though it was, that one, but it was um, like, just some random room. stereo in the far back of yep. the studio, you know, this dance studio, like you could barely hear the song. But it was that good that it picked it up. And I was like, oh, man. Um, I, I think that the technology to do that is quite fascinating. It's unreal. But like, I couldn't think like, of it. Uh, so I, I, I look back at my start. The first video I ever did when I was 18 or whatever um, was the Student Health Center at ASU. I had to do a project, and I did a DVD of that, like a, a walkthrough of that thing, and I put it to this Radiohead song mm -hmm. from Amnesiac. It was amazing. I, I, I still think it's amazing, but uh, I couldn't do that anymore. So I love the fact, I understand like an artist needs to be um, taken care of and protected, and, they, and, and if we ever got to that same level... I think I'd probably be a little bit more generous just having gone through the processes that I have, but the labels might not want you to have all these videos. Yeah, I wonder if it's in the hands of the artist. I don't know if it is. I don't think it is anymore. Yeah. Because I, I, think, I think about that a lot because, uh, you know, especially when you, when you write songs with people, like everyone kind of, like, I don't know if we're, I've never felt that pressure from people that I've written with where it's like, hey, you better make sure my name's on this or anything like that. Or yeah. if I help someone write a song, I don't really, I really don't care. But I, I wonder the same thing. Like, and, and I mean, and, that's, you're, and you're talking on musicianship level yeah. in a rural place in America. Yeah. Like, so if it's, if it's already a consideration for us, like... But I I'm wondering, yeah, the, it makes me think, though, like you were saying, like when you're in Cali and you have that, that level of competition... You probably fight for every every inch you can grab. Yep, um, I saw Facebook has now they have. Because you have to. They'll sell their. Uh, I think they might actually have said that they're free. They have like a bank of sound effects and um, songs that you can use for videos that are like royalty free. Hmm. But you know, it's not going to be what you want more than likely. Yeah, it's never what you want. Yeah. It's always the songs that, hey, we know you're not going to want these, so these are the free ones. Yeah, exactly. And you got to pay for the ones you really, really want to That's do. That's um, So you mentioned that you uh, could not afford to go to shows of the people you wanted to yeah. videotape because you bought a camera. Yeah, a, a very nice camera. Like, I've bought, like, my whole life savings and then, like, probably the next year's income worth of savings. So, but what was great is that the, the quality of the product was insane, and I, I still have I still have one of those cameras, and that's, I've still been using that now for almost ten years, and the quality is amazing. But it's important to note when we when I, when we when I started this, I was shooting for the big screen, like you know, I was shooting for a sixty foot screen, in mm. my mind and in my product yeah. was, was there. Now, it's kind of like reversed. Now you know they're like, oh, you got a four K camera, great. My phone is just cutting edge. It has half the resolution of that. So what's what's the point? point? 
Yeah, I mean, it's almost everything has changed. Like, it's not about like I think about you know big screen TVs, like going to, even going to the movie theater. Mm -hmm. Like most of the time, I don't go. There's a few. Like, there's a few genres I like to go. So I'm a huge nerd when it comes to comics comic okay. books so when the marvel movies come out or the dc movies come out i'm going to see them 100%. people love those yeah. yeah it's unreal like they just they, they got it going but but other than that most everything else i'll just watch it on my tv mm -hmm. you know or on my phone you know mm -hmm. um so yeah i guess that makes sense that if you're uh did that so did that shift involve like different equipment for mm -hmm. you yeah and and i i mean it's still it's still been a relatively recent thing right like live streaming to a phone of, I mean, it's, it's still not. It's well, the not Facebook like live came, was last year or the year yeah, before that it became, pub it, w it was public for like celebrities and like they had, a, yep. they had it going. And then it was about six months after that. I think there was probably a test run. Then it came live for everyone. And now it's all I mean, over it's, the place. Um, what's tough for, m for me with Facebook live is I understand people want, you know, how many songwriter friends do we have on, on social media? It's insane. Like, when you, when you yeah. scroll through, it's everybody doing a song. But um, this, like, right here, this thing is a, is a really good tripod. Yeah. People don't even care enough to put a tripod down. It's, like, handheld and shaky and right. half here. And I understand some people don't want to be, have their face picture, so they do just the guitar neck for the kind of instructional purposes and all mm -hmm. that. But um, it's kind of interesting to see the evolution of it has been very archaic. I mean, when you, when you scroll through and you see people doing Facebook Live, there's that, like, deer-in-the-headlight look. Like, when it goes to zero and they realize it's live, everybody goes like this. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, so, the you know, I, I, I have friends that are, like, that are doing large things that are trying to run, like, professional campaigns and that stuff that have this deer-in-the-headlights look on that thing. And I'm like, maybe it's better to just film it and crop that out. And Do you think do that it. just comes with... With time, like just experience in doing it. Oh, absolutely! I think you do a hundred of them, you you'll, you won't be phased by it anymore. But you can see, I mean, it's still new for everybody. Like when I go when I go on Facebook Live, like with the songwriters page or something like that, like I, I in my head, I picture like instantly, oh, there's going to be a hundred people watching, and so maybe that's why I because I, I probably do that if I went back and look, that's probably what I do. When all, when in reality, like right away at the very beginning, there's no one watching. Right now we have zero people watching. Yeah, so I mean it's just um, it's that kind of thing where you just uh, and we, we had three has been our most on here. So I like that it tells you. Yeah, I, I mean it's interesting to know, but um, so when you got that, uh, uh, was that the camera you were telling me about, like the story that was that camera that you you couldn't buy tickets for because you bought this expensive camera. Yeah. That's that story. Yeah. Tell me that again, man. I love that. Story. Wait, which one? The one about the one with the party and then the story. Oh, okay. So is that that camera? No, no. That's, this that is a was, different that was camera. A couple, that was a couple before. But oh, okay. okay. Um, this was just this was just a really nice camera. So I, I yeah, I couldn't afford to be dropping the ticket prices even at the cheaper places and going out to these shows. So uh, I consider myself first and foremost to be an opportunist. <laughs> and I had an email address, and I had the camera, and I had all of the ambition in the world, and somehow. Everyone saw all these people's labels, or the artists would say yes, and we got some great things back there. Um, mm. So the story of this iteration of Sodak.tv, um, I had a friend that was uh, would come over and, and stay at the house sometimes, like basically because we had we had so much fun that it would be like just exhausting, and then we'd have to go like crash out. And she she didn't li she didn't live at the house or anything like that, but um, would stay there and was a great musician and. I happen to have the camera. I'd been sitting. It's, it was sitting on my bookshelf okay. for like 
six. Uh, well, no, I hadn't been back then. So, four years, hadn't been hadn't been turned on maybe in four years. Days. And I was showing her some of the old videos, and it was literally like three in the morning, when I was like, I wonder if it even, like, I literally was just curious. I was like, I wonder if it even still works. So. Uh, we went downstairs in, in my basement. I have a uh, like a barnwood wall down there, a big that I took the barn down and put in to make it look all cool and stuff. And up against that barn wall, I threw the lights on and pressed record and had her do a song. And she wasn't really happy with the performance or anything like that. But uh, this new project was born basically at that moment at, at three in the morning. So the next night, or I guess it would have been that night. Um, I put that on, I edited that. I don't even know if I put titles on it, but I got it on my Vimeo page and I brought my phone up here. I ran into you. Yeah. Like, I didn't just run into you, but I mean, I came up here to hang out with you. I, somebody was playing, this is at Flanagan's Bar here in, in uh, Spearfish, South Dakota. And it's probably Guth. Yeah, one, one of our buddies was playing and I was at a table with you um, and I showed you this video and you're like, wow, this is so beautifully shot. Who is this? And, it, and she was sitting right next to you, yeah, you know? right. And like, you did, it didn't even register because you, why would you have ever thought that it would have been the person sitting next to you? Right. You know? When when we look at these these things, these creations and stuff. Yeah. And then uh, for the listeners here, Heath had no idea that I had done any of this stuff ever, right? I know. had no clue. No, yeah, I, so. the last time, all I knew was that you were a guy that played guitar and wrote some songs. Yep. Like that's all and I knew. So Heath said, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Who did this? And like looked at her and she kind of looked at me and Heath was like, wait, what, you did this? And I was like, yeah. I've... And he goes, yeah. uh, dude, you got to do this. <laughs> and so here we are X amount of months later. Um, yeah. I... I think we have 64 videos on the Sodak.tv page. Um, and I did the math uh, at the tail end of last week. We were 49,554 views or something like that. So we're within, we're within a 500, 500 view range of being at 50,000. <laughs> so, and that's, I mean... I'm really glad I bumped into you that night is, then. <laughs> well, like I said, I, I'm, I'm first and foremost an opportunist and I kind of needed, I loved the idea of filming. I loved doing that stuff. I just got so burnt out on it that it, uh, I didn't want it in my skill set anymore. I didn't want it. I removed that tool from my tool bag. Yeah. Well, I mean, and on a certain level, I guess, I mean, I've never really thought of myself as an opportunist, mostly because I don't like to feel pushy. Yeah. But uh, um, at that point, and even a little bit at this point in my life, it's just, I'm kind of noticing, like, it's not necessarily pushy if it's something that's going to benefit not only yourself, but the community and the people around you. Yeah. And I remember, I remember looking at that video and looking at where I was at the time and seeing that and going... There's no one out here doing this. Yeah, I mean, there's no one even coming close to doing anything like that. Yep. Um, and you know, you're and you're literally sitting right next to me, and it's like, you, why would you, why would you not? You know, now, I didn't know anything about you at the time. I mean, yep. I didn't know, you know, what what, you, what your job was or anything like that. So for all I know, yeah, you just didn't have the time to do it, and yep. you just, she got lucky because you were you had a free night and you filmed a video, you know. Yep. But um, yeah, and Sodak Sodak.tv is. Uh, I mean, like you said, sixteen months maybe. Yep. Is, it, is it eighteen months? I don't know, yeah, but yeah, it's not that. It's not that far off. It, it's quickly become uh, well known. I mean, you filmed, uh, you know, people. I mean, you filmed, you know, Jalen Crossland and Thomas Hendricks and um, 
Robert Ellis. Robert Ellis. Robert Ellis, man. I mean... Matthew Logan Vasquez. Yeah. I mean, those guys, you know, they've they've got numbers behind them. Matthew Logan Vasquez, between Delta Spirit and his personal stuff, has 270,000 <sighs> listeners alone on Spotify. That's just one artist on one platform. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, I'm very honored. What's um, that, what's that felt like for you? Um, seeing this, seeing this grow like it has, I mean, is it, is it kind of a, uh, um, not so much a, um, oh, I knew I could do it, but more of a, uh, like, Hey, wow. Yeah, I can do this or, you know, cause you stopped. I, there's a reason you quit. Yeah. I, the I LA just, thing I, and, well, and I did, I didn't know that this, I was not really that immersed in the music scene when I moved back here I just moved back here and I was just kind of hanging out really and uh and what brought you back here job and family okay. job family and the realization after all those years that uh escapism doesn't necessarily work you know yeah you can't just run away from everything that you ever wanted and the people that I love the most are really far away and uh to me my idea of success was California and in California my idea of success was to live at the beach Mm. And I had an address on the boardwalk, you know, that was that was the pinnacle of success for me And I was like, okay, I've done that now What's next and to me my heart said home is next mm. and um, I, I think I'm I think I'm here for good, which is great. I love it. It's, it's magnificent, but And so then you so you came back here. Yep. So TV started um, and uh Sitting at just about 50,000 views or something like that. Yep and 60 some videos which is crazy so i um it, it's it's been a very gradual process right before you get robert ellis you've got to have enough content and all this other stuff mm -hmm. no different than but I'd, I'd seen it before you know so it's not like a this isn't uncharted territory for me this is just like did it feel like starting over like just it, building up from scratch again yeah it did and and to me that was a little discouraging to the point where i was like i don't i don't really know if it's worth doing this for and and I didn't know that the artists here would appreciate it. Mm -hmm. What I underestimated was the constant need of all this stuff mm -hmm. and the constant need for artists to create content and have content out. So even if you're the biggest band in the world, you still need to be doing NPR Tiny Desk. I mean, mm -hmm. the Roots did that. Roots did NPR Tiny Desk. They did, I think, one song. Mm -hmm. um, you've, you've got to stay relevant. And now, what I was doing 10 years ago and getting great at 10 years ago is totally relevant and absolutely essential to the success of these musicians at the at these levels that I'm working with. Well, I think people realize that uh, the video content is is I mean, I would say it's just as important if not maybe a slightly more important in terms of you know the type of the type of music you're putting out there. Yeah. Cuz you can you can put out an album and put it out there and no one's going to no one's no one how are you going to find it? You know, you could, you could market it and everything like that, but yeah. people like to see things. It, it almost feels like, like the live videos and the, and the video stuff that's happening on the social media networks and everything like that. Did I just say the social media networks? Like yeah, I'm, you're good. Like I'm 90 <laughs> on social media, <laughs> but it, it gives you that, uh, that sense of your, your, like you're there seeing it. Yeah. That it's, it's a little, it's a tiny experience. Mm -hmm. Um, and, the value of that for an artist, uh, I mean, I, I think, I it's, think it's unmatched. Yeah, it's yeah. priceless. It's got to be priceless. And, um, Which is why what you do is, I think that's why it, 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 it not only impresses me, but it intrigues me a lot because, I mean, you just, you just do it. Yeah, I mean, that's, 
when the opportunities present themselves, these people are oftentimes in town uh, almost 100% of the time one day. Yeah. And they have a 45-minute window, half an hour window to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, between sound check and a show or before sound check or after a show in a back alley or something like that. And um, it's been a crazy experience. I love it. And I'm actually more proud of this, the South Dakota component of what I've done in this second breath of this, the second iteration, than I am of all the stuff I had done in California. Does um, it, does it, it, it's got to feel different. Like you can't, it's, you it's, can't feel like one voice screaming out in a crowd anymore. No, uh, no, and it's, um, it's basically the exact opposite. I'm kind of like in a lake, like, you know. <laughs> just sitting knee, on a rowboat. Knee deep in a lake or something like that, just standing there and I kind of like got a little voice and like, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's yeah. strange because um, I don't have 15 other people I can call to sub in for me or something like that, you know. It's, yeah. If I'm sick on that day or something, like, it just, just can't happen. The video's done. Um, what spooks me about this is not the level of success that it's had. Two things spook me about this. The level of success that it could have. But what scares me more is, what if it would have never happened? What if none of those videos would have yeah. ever happened? Because I look back at them. I go and watch them just for my own entertainment. I love, I love the artists that I've been able to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, like the, the Darning Hearts Vines. We shot that uh, at, in the fall. Um, I don't know, I think it maybe a year ago or something like that. And it was actually, one of my guitars was used for it and it matches the leaves and then I take out the color mostly. And that song is just, the song is captivating. The setting was amazing. Mm-hmm. Their performance of that song was even more amazing than that. That's beautiful. And it's like, yeah. I mean, it's, it's almost like uh, a painter that paints masterpieces, but this is just, I, I, I wrote down on a piece of paper and I put this out on the... Um, the social media networks, or whatever. I put, uh, <laughs> I'm that, never gonna live that down. <laughs> yeah, no, you're stuck now. I put that uh, filming is like a dance. When I, when I, um, most of the times when I film a song, it's a song I've not heard before, mm-hmm. and it's a dance. And sometimes I'm in really tight, and I pan to the guitar, and it's a cello solo. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my favorite blog attack videos of all time was a Bon Iver video, in, like from about a decade ago. And he's walking around, he's really tight in on the guys. There's, there's three of them sitting down in chairs and he's walking around them. And he turns around and he has the camera right there for the second verse to come in. He's on the wrong guy. Oh. And the second verse comes from the other guy. And so he's got the back of his head. And he missed the whole thing. And the other guy that he's got his head on, yeah. his face on, it's on the camera is just playing guitar. And it's just really, so I mean, it's like tremendous missed opportunity. But how would you ever know, you know? Even the, and that was a famous song, but nobody ever knew that there was a second singer on that until that performance. So sometimes that works out tremendously. Yeah. Um, like with the Condor guys in Sioux Falls, I was just I did a cello solo that was there, and I panned over to the guitar like right in the time for them for uh, the guitar player Andy to just come up and start roaring, and I was like, so, I was sitting there chuckling. The camera's probably shaking because I'm like just laughing, like, well, it worked out this time, you know. So, <laughs> so it, all, when you describe it like a dance, you feel like you're you're following their lead and just yeah, kind of exactly. trying to. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, if, you, if you ever saw me do this, like if you ever saw like a f- video of me filming this, I have like this wide stance and I'm moving around and I'm going all over and up and down. And I mean, you, you see it in the end product and stuff. But um, what I think makes mm, the Sodak.tv videos different is that 
I'm not afraid to take the risk of ruining a shot. And 90% of the time, it makes it better. Mm-hmm. So like I'll shoot, uh, I'll shoot a frame where it's a close-up of half of your face in the hopes that you'll look over at the sunset at the end of the song there. And, and sometimes that works out and it's gorgeous. But, or you can step back 25 feet and take a wide shot, and, but you, kept, you missed the emotion there. So yeah. Someone along the way had described the video to me as uh, something that, that was a close medium. Like it was best represented in a close fashion. Mm-hmm. And I've really taken that to heart. I can't remember who had said that along the way, but um, like uh, when, when I watch these other bands and these other blogs doing this kind of stuff, um, I love it when they're tight. The, the, the district song that I said where I, where I discovered them, the comments on YouTube are all, uh, they're all angry because it was like a 50 mil lens no zoom and he stayed really tight so you can only see one person at a time even though there was like four of them mm. and it's just the faces and they don't get any instruments so you can't learn the songs from it or anything i thought it was like one of the best ones i've ever seen <laughs> but you know, it's all subjective so is uh is video like like genres of music is it is it like for videographers is it yeah. is it a level of taste like i prefer these style of videos oh, absolutely. Is, are there yeah. different like genres of Filming? I don't know if you'd call it genres. Yeah, I, I mean, there's just maybe techniques. Okay. But um, so you know, static cameras um, on tripods, and then cutting those angles together it works out great. Is there a word for your technique uh, other than just Andrew Jan? Winging it. <laughs> winging it. I said it's French. Winging it. Let's give it a shot and see so what happens. Give it a shot and see what happens. That's a, that's that's all. I've ever you need to do a. Uh, you should do a. Uh, behind the scenes have someone videoing the whole thing and yeah. it's just it's just you walking around and that would be great um, it probably would look really awkward i guess uh, yeah I, I did i did see uh i had a friend did the matthew logan vasquez one took a clip on his phone while i was doing that <laughs> and i was i i saw it and i was like you can you can you can you can cut that just, we, we don't, don't, we don't that, need that so we don't need that yeah. Uh, so it's proprietary so yeah, proprietary, keep that. Exactly. so from start to finish uh yeah. what does it look like so uh is it, is it like it was in, in L.A. for you where you, you find an artist and you contact them? Yep. Um, and you, you said re- lately yeah, it's been it's them contacting you. Yeah, sometimes it's the other way around. Yeah. Um, and then so you set up a time. Mm-hmm. You go, you do the filming. Um, and then how long does editing usually take you? Um, what does that I, I've kind of got a I've kind of got a formula, and I mean, if you've seen them, it's like the stylistic rem- removal a lot mm-hmm. of, uh, it's almost like a black and white filter. It is a black and white filter, but I don't, I don't, it's not a full filter like this video we're watching here. It's mm-hmm. like uh, in the seventy percent range or something. It just depends on the clip, and then I add some of the some of the like color correction as well. But I've got my title format down. We have we have a logo and we have like a little, and a little video intro and that stuff. And it's all designed to catch the eye because we've got three. Uh, it takes like two and a half seconds to scroll through something. If you stop on it, that's three seconds is considered a view on on um, Facebook. Oh, is that how that works? So okay. I've I've created a, a black screen. White logo pops in, and then video starts all with under under the two and a half second mark. So, I've, if you're scrolling through, I catch your eye with three three things. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's like a standard on them now. That's been pr- done pretty recently, but um, if it's just one one camera and syncing the audio, I mean, it can be done really easy in an hour or two hours or something like that per song. And then sometimes, you know, I did one recently. It was like five cameras. Wait, what? Yeah, it was like five cameras. So, Jeez. Uh, and then did a couple that were three. And so I did 10 songs with five cameras, and I, I'm really far behind on that one. And then um, another one and then I did. But 
uh, syncing the audio is kind of tough. So what I do is I have the, you can see this here, and you'll hear this on when I do this. Just do the clap. Yeah. And when you hear the clap, then you hear that spike in the wave the wave file, and then you that's where you pull that in, and then you sync that as the beginning of the video. You can line clip. it all yep. up. Yeah. So my favorite Sodak.tv video, well, that's, that's an old Hollywood thing. That's why they had the clapper, right? Clap, because they recorded it separate, and then yeah. that's how they would, they would take that take and piece up the stuff, and that's how you got audio before it was that's all brilliant. combined. Um, so I have a video. I've been taking all the claps, and most of them I cut out of the, the finished product, but I've been taking the claps and just throwing them in as title sequence um, that I want to put together for Sodak.tv. So I want to have um, just like, the, like a rhythm, like clap, And on the last clap, it'll just have the Sodak.tv logo. So it'll be all of these people from all these videos. Oh, dude, that's and sick. Then, and then that will be like, I don't know, five second ad or a 10 second ad for yeah. it or something like that. But I, that's kind of in my uh, 2018 goals is to, to crank one of those out. And, that's cool. But I want all the claps to come together as this like drum cadence and stuff. And that'd be cool. You were saying that, uh, you know, some of your fears with Sodak is uh, um, how how like how great it could be or how what would have happened if it never would have happened when you think about where this has been and where it's where it could go or is going uh, like do you have like a set like dream or vision like this is my five-year plan for this project or um i actually i, I kind of want to cut it off what, is, what does that mean let's so, talk about that <laughs> star wars syndrome Okay. Keep it going. I mean, um, I, I've actually I met, I've met George Lucas. I met him in Long Beach one day. Um, you met at, George Lucas at a Starbucks. Yeah, uh, he was there. He was doing the celebrity race for the the Long Beach Grand Prix, and mm -hmm. I was just I just was walking by. I worked downtown there, and uh, you talked to him. Yeah, I just well, he he was like, kind of not having it, you know. I mean, he's a recognizable guy, and he has this like little badge on that's like basically says like celebrities to where you can get into the access thing and okay the police were there like watching him to like you know there, he didn't have a bodyguard but the police were there like they knew who he was sure they they, they like making sure he's safe and stuff and i said mr lucas and he kind of turned around and i said I, um, I just wanted to thank you for inspiring the next generation of filmmakers and he kind of like raised his cup and nods at me and i was like that's all that's really all i had to say i didn't yeah. want to Argue about no, bug the guy. argue I mean, about yeah. uh, some characters that he didn't that he didn't do right or something you know like, but he had, so I, I, when I when I met him this was you know I don't know roughly ten years ago. He had done I think the 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 recent three episodes of like so there's the first three from the seven like seventy seven yeah. to eighty whatever and then he did episodes one two and three, and I and I already didn't like I loved the original trilogy I think that's amazing I think that could have been. Left four, five, alone. and six. Yeah, four, yeah. five, and six could have been left alone. Yeah, and then one, two, three come along, and then the rest of the stuff comes along. And now, mm -hmm. I mean, like I'm like I don't even know how many there are anymore. Like I'm, I've I'm, lost I'm count. A couple behind. I, I saw the I first three, so the first six, I guess now. Yeah. But I haven't seen any after that. So, I don't want to get Star Wars syndrome with this. Um, I, I wrote down here. I was like. I figured you'd ask like kind of what the goal was. My goal is a hundred videos and a hundred thousand views, and then cut it. Just kill it. Just kill it. I mean, let it, let it stand. And and maybe maybe it's a hundred and one, and maybe uh, maybe I maybe I say forget it. It's the 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 right number is two hundred fifty and a quarter of a million views, or two hundred fifty videos right. and a million views. Um, I think just having gone through the process. The people that I've met, I mean, look at these records of 
up here that we've got. And mm-hmm. um, it's been an astonishing experience. But it has the potential to get out of control and become overwhelming, right? Like, um, I don't want it to come to the point where, like, I've already had to turn quite a few people down, and I don't really feel good about that. But what I do is, like, if they're not ready for it, I'll, I'll still offer to um, work with them and film them doing a song and then let them put, po- I'll edit that and then let them post that. So they still get some content, but it's not, it's not really releasable. Um, and you, the Sodak. You, you, can, you can look at the views on Sodak thing. And my goal with any group moving forward, and it's, this has kind of been this way for a while, is every video between your friends and your peer group and your followers and all that stuff and mine, we should be able to get a thousand views. On every video. Do you... Star Wars Syndrome. I like I liked that uh, that analogy. Um, I mean, some people might disagree with you. You know, yeah. the hardcore, like, the story should always... Because, you know, story should always keep things going. It, yeah. But I, I, I'm curious, like, because I, I think about that a lot, especially with television shows that happen. You know, you look at United States television shows versus, like, BBC television shows. Yep. Like, they have, they have a set. Hey, this is the story. We told it. We're done. Like, yeah. do you see uh, the value in, like, the death of something? Um, I don't know if it's necessarily the death of something, but I think I see the value in not um, putting it on life support. Okay. So I love the idea of, um, you know, like, Jay-Z dropped the Black Album, and then that was going to be the end, and he said, best rapper alive. It was like a mic drop, and he was going to retire. Mm-hmm. Amazing record. Um he couldn't stay away and had to come back, and that's a whole other story. But what I loved about that is that he was like, we're going to go out, out with a bang. I love the idea of releasing, like, I mean, to, to bring this full circle. If we could partner with a place that can do um, some sort of a video release and have keep the last 10 videos under wraps and then release them all in front of a, like an actual audience and play the last 10 Sodak.tv videos and throw a concert with five or six of the people mm-hmm. and like throw some balloons and like wish it well, you know? <laughs> like I'd, I'd much rather do that and go out on a high note yeah. than drag it on and do three videos a quarter that don't do anything because I've, I've oversaturated it. So, um, Well, I wonder how that Because I, I see, I mean, a lot of places will do that. It'll happen where, hey, we had a good solid two years of just amazing content. And then it slipped. And either we just repeat the same people all the time or we find lesser content just so we can make the, the bar of we need to get 10 episodes, we yep. need to get 12, you know, and something like that. If you, started, if you start a new show, right, um, even if you started doing like what Sodak.tv is and you've got three angles, five angles, then you've got five people that you have to have on those cameras, probably a couple assistants, so up to seven, you've got to have at least one or two audio people. So mm-hmm. you're basically at 10 people. Now, if you get those people... It's where they depend on that income. You have to keep it going. You have to keep it going. Um, what I love about this, this is like guerrilla filmmaking at its finest. I say that jokingly, but like not, maybe not so much. Well, it's, it's just this using, is usually yeah. one camera and whatever the best audio um, setup I have is. Yeah. And I love that. I love that it can be done in the in the back of a car on a snowy day. And we, have, we haven't done that, but I mean, like, uh, I've done. Um, I did one in California. It was so windy that I had to do it in in my. Um, living room with the, the doors open and stuff like that and back from the wind and turned out tremendous it was it was one of the tightest ones i've ever shot and i mean i love that stuff so there's all these really really cool opportunities for how we could 
continue to do this. And I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I, maybe I need my peers like you to say, okay, yeah, remember when I said you should do that video? Yeah, now I'm saying you shouldn't. You know? <laughs> maybe the community needs to be like, oh, yeah, we've had enough. Well, it's kind but, of neat that you, you see, um, I guess, that you, you, you're able to, to recognize that that's a possibility. Like yeah. th- there's, with everything you start and everything you do, there's, there's a chance that, hey, it, it had its life. It had its time. Yeah. Um, and, and it was great. You know, but it's not something that I have to limp this on because, because yeah, so that, I, yeah I don't I don't have any of those those behind the scenes motives that I have to keep something going. I keep this going because this is where my heart is. Well, because you don't charge. Uh, yeah, th- th- this is this is a great topic to talk about. I don't charge, um, and I and I don't have the funds to pay anybody either. So it's I've been asked by a, a really um, great distribution network uh regionally here mm-hmm. um what my contract is with with everybody and i said it's handshakes and hugs man yeah and if i had an artist that didn't like what i did i would happily take that down for them um out of respect mm-hmm. and i think that respect goes a lot further than a contract that says this must be three minutes long and you can't shoot this and uh, i mean devils in the details or whatever that you know mm-hmm. the message can get lost if you get stuck in that kind of thing um so yeah i i do not charge anyone um and i do not pay anyone um I never have and to the best of my knowledge i don't think i've ever received any income or anything from this um, if anything has been if this cost me thousands of dollars a year to do and travel and gear and time and all that stuff but you just do it because I it's... just do it because that's where, like I said, it's where my heart is. But, yeah, um, I have had some people ask like to be a part of it, like for hire, that they would pay me for the content, and um, I've kind of entertained the idea of you know we have the songwriters thing, right? Mm-hmm. South Coast songwriters. I've I've told them I said any funds that you think there are applicable that you would think would would be you're comfortable with would go in like into a pot to help buy cords, cables, mic mic stand and speakers for up-and-coming artists to help them like develop the first PA system that's cool so and I've told I mean it's not connected in any way to South Coast songwriters per se but um, my goal like I don't need another bit of income I need more heart and soul and spirit and that's what I get from this and so if I you know what what if they say okay we're gonna pay you this much money and this is what we want out of it. And then we do this big shoot and it's not up to par what they wanted out of it. Mm-hmm. And then I've taken them like, that's, those are the reasons why I quit doing this in the first place. Yeah, well, there's a certain level, I think, in, in people's lives where you recognize, I mean, everybody, everybody wants to be rich, but, uh, or wants to, you know, live comfortably or whatever the case yeah. may be. But I, there's, there's value in recognizing that that's not gonna, gonna fix anything for you. Yeah. You know, I, th- I think of, you know, I. I've had I've had a lot of friends that I mean I'm not wealthy by any means and I have tons of friends that have more money than me and everything like that and it's it's never been like an attraction to me where oh I want this or I want to you know be win the lottery or, or be successful or anything like that like for me I'm happiest when I'm doing things I love you mm-hmm. know and whether or not it it brings anything financially for me is is not the goal it's nice but it's definitely not something where Yep, that's a, that's all I need in life. I just need to be able to make that. And to be able to find something like that, I mean, I think that's what people want. I think mm-hmm. that's what everybody's looking for, you know. And and this didn't the thing I like about your about you is this isn't something that just kind of 
happen? Like you built, like you said, you didn't go to any schooling for this. You yeah. didn't go to any teachers for this. Like, like how you, many I don't think how many buttons I've clicked. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've been doing this literally more than more than half of my life now. Yeah, without any instruction. Yeah, and it's it's but, that but, kind of thing where you just you you know what this is in your heart, and you're gonna learn how to do it. Yeah, and you and you and you and you're doing it's it. It's no different than somebody you know, and uh, an artist that becomes an artist that's not trained formally or anything like that, or yeah. learning the piano on your own, or you know, it's, yeah. uh, it's the same thing. So, um, my this, life has been truly and greatly enriched by the process of Sodak.tv, the people that I've met through this, and the relationships that I have. I mean, my my own music stuff. Um, the bands that I've been able to film with that I can go on tour with mm -hmm. and building that. And it's, I mean, this thing pays dividends in like probably a half a dozen ways. Yeah. And the friendships that I've made and to see, um, to see artists that have reached out to me because they found this, wanted to film, and then to watch them come to South Dakota one year and like I throw them a house show. Mm -hmm. And then flash forward a couple of years, they're at the big venues now mm -hmm. with ticketed shows. Yeah, and you know I'm like so happy for them, and it this happened recently. Um, one of the people at the venues is like, well, you know, they would have never been anywhere had it not been for you. And it's like, wow, that was like, you can't buy that, man. Yeah, you can't, you can't. That's. But I hope that I've been doing all this for all these people all these years, and I hope that I'm not saying this isn't a, a pity, pity story or something, but I hope that I get some reciprocity from that in the future on in my own musical endeavors and my own other things that I've done, um, I think it'll be tremendous. I think that there's like, there's so many great opportunities from this, but um, kind of going back to how I said, you know, it's, I was scared about the idea if this didn't happen and yeah. I never captured this. Yeah. Think of the people that drove through here before that never stopped and played a show. Yeah. Um, I met a band that opened for my favorite band in Denver and I was talking to the drummer I was like, oh, man, it'd be great to have you guys in Rapid City. He goes, Rapid City, we love Rapid City. And I was like, I've never seen you play there. And he goes, oh, no, yeah, we never we never played there. But we got um, snowed in at this, uh, they closed the interstate, and we got snowed in, and there was a water park, and we stayed there and partied for two days. It was like all these kids' birthdays, and then they, the band like just partied and went down That's water awesome. slides for two days. I wonder and, which water park it was, the yeah, one exactly. water park. The, 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 the one. Yeah, but so, um, I, I think that that's funny that like they love this town, even though they never played here, and it's like, People, this is a pass through town, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, we're in Spearfish now doing this today. I live in Rapid City, and it, in Rapid City, in a lot of ways, is a pass through town. We've got big acts coming through there. Yeah. And whatever I can do to help coordinate that or pull that together, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm now helping with booking at certain places. And I'm just like you, man. People started to think our crazy ideas might be worth listening to and every once in a while you've got somebody that has to come to us for some advice on this stuff and um, I'm really happy and honored and always to to be a voice of the music scene in my home home state and it's, it's wonderful so well sometimes you strike gold and sometimes you're just looking at something and you look around and like nobody's doing this yeah why not let's give it a shot you know and see what happens um I mean that that's what happened with me and the songwriters thing I guess was just no one knew each other. Mm -hmm. It's like, why do we not know each other? You know, we should we should know each other. We're not that big of a community. You know, it's getting bigger. But um, so one of the things I, I think that I love most about you, because you're you're easily one of my favorite people uh, in the Black Hills, if not in the entire world. But uh, I'll, I'll stop kissing you for a little bit and yeah. 
<laughs> takes it off. <laughs> right. Uh, no, it's just, it's, you're, you're, you're someone that it's, you're kind of hard to, like someone says, well, who's Andrew Jan? It would, it's not something, oh, he's, you know, bleh. It would, it would be something where I would, like, how much time do you have? Uh, just because of the, in the past oh. few years of getting annoyed and everything like that, like there's, there's a whole, there's tons of facets to you and your life and things that you've done. Like just last night, I learned that you worked in the Senate yeah, for a while. United States Senate. You were in the United States Senate for, and what, yeah. what was your job there? I was at a U.S. Senate page when I was in high school over the, um, over the summer in the year 2000. That's yeah. unreal. Like, so worked like, for the, um, the Democratic Party because we, uh, here we had Senator Daschle was the, oh yeah, he was my sponsor. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I did that and got to mingle with a lot of uh, the legendary people, I guess, in, in that regard. And um, I thought I wanted to go into public service. And after being there, I was just, uh, I moved to the beach and went surfing. So, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the story tells itself there. Yeah, was, absolutely. Uh, no, I can, I can yeah. only imagine, man. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so the, there's that. And, and I think um, how I've mostly known you is as Trap Kit. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, your musical endeavor and your, your, it's mostly solo, but you've got, every now and then you'll have some... Ingrid and... Ingrid yeah, I mean, and... It just depends on the venue. We've, most that I've ever had for Trap Kit was yeah, a six-piece six band, including violin and cello and then all the rest of the usual, yeah. usual suspects. And, that, and that's something where I think, I think is not... It's very different from, from your Sodak TV and Sodak.TV endeavors, um, just because it's, it's not you... Uh, pouring yourself like and dancing with someone else and their music it's yeah. hey this is this my is my turn it. to lead yeah you know and I think that's what excites me the most about it I'm I mean you know you know my favorite songs and um, I think that's uh, um, been the thing that's been most exciting to see with just being your friend is seeing what Trap Kit has become um Four years, four years ago, were you still were you were you under that moniker when mm -hmm. we first met? It was trapped. Yeah, wasn't yeah, it? but but even like I think when we first met, I was it was just my name because it was a songwriter's thing, and like right. I, I still struggle with that. You know, people just put your name down, and I say, well, I, I'd prefer to do it under this, and so I I, I fight for the. Let me give you the fight word for the name, like, and yeah, they just put your name down. Sometimes it happens, but yeah. Um, so tell me you. a little bit about that. So this it's. I, I think you, you said it well when you said it's it's my chance to lead. I've never really um, never really had that 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 thought hasn't crossed my mind with it. But Sodex.tv and Trapka kind of had a little bit of an overlap at the beginning because I wanted I wanted content for me, mm -hmm. but I didn't really have anybody to film it. So I had a friend, who's a great photographer, and that necessarily doesn't always um, like translate into good in video you know like i'm i'm, I'm good in video but I can, i'm not very good at photography at all like if you think i'm good at photography it's because i took 500 photos and we got three great ones you know like, <laughs> i'm just like i'm more of like a statistician i'm like if i do this 500 times there's got to be three yeah. things that, that work um just playing the odds yeah so i i don't know for me it's been i wanted to be the voice of the northern plains for indie folk music and that is a big endeavor. Like my, my, my whole, it's, it's one of the reasons why I moved back home. Um, I looked and there's bands from Canada. There's bands from Omaha. Mm -hmm. There's bands from Denver. And there's bands from Minneapolis. Mm -hmm. My favorite band, um, one of my favorite bands 
top five band is from Eau Claire, Wisconsin, Bon Iver. And he's just, he's, he's been in a lot of ways my inspiration for all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And what he's done in a decade has been astonishing. So um, why not give it a shot? Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not willing to bet the ranch on it, but I'll, I'm willing to pour my heart and soul into it. And it's been amazing to see how well reciprocated it's been. Even like 2017 was great. 2016 was great. But 2018 already is like, I mean, I, I, some of these opportunities that, I've, that I'm having now are like, they're straight from the vision board. You know, like I, have, I, I literally I have a vision yeah. board. Yeah. Um, did I show you that yesterday? I uh, no. I had we, it out, but I, I, there's, we failed to chat about that. But that's the, I mean, the thing I love about Trap Kit is it's, it's insanely unique. Like you call it, I mean, you have called it, I don't know if you, if you keep that, but a for, formal folk. Formal folk, yeah. Formal fo folk. Um, and do you still kind of Yeah. Call yeah, it? I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll say that. I mean, yeah. um, my only concern with that is like, what if I want to wear a t-shirt that day? <laughs> so before I was Trap Kit, I was the French Horn Quartet, and it was just me. That's, that was my name that I used. And it was, it's been like in the Rapper City Journal and stuff. And mom, my mom told me, she said... Um, I think it's misleading, and they're going to be some someday. Somebody's going to want to come to see French horns and be disappointed. And I was like, <laughs> I don't even care. That's just hilarious, right? So that's that'd be kind of brilliant, actually. So, <laughs> like a year after I did that, it was in the newspaper that the French horn quartet was going to be playing at Main Street Square in Rapid City, South Dakota. So this elderly lady in a walker comes down, and I had just finished a song, and she was just like confused. And I was like, Hi, hi, how are you? You know? And she said, Is this where the French horns are going to be? It actually happened. It happened. Oh. So, uh, and I chatted with the lady and I said, um, that's, that's me, I'm the, the French horn quartet. And she said, well, where's uh, something like, where's, the, where's, the horn, where's your horn and where's the rest of them? And I was like, oh, it's just a, it's just a name. And she was so disappointed. I mean, she was... She you was, broke she, her heart, I, man. I did. I did break her heart. And I, I hated to tell. I'm like, mom, you were like... <laughs> like Nobody like, likes to over tell the their course parents of that they were right, time, man. You know, over the course of an entire lifetime, you were like dead right on this. And <laughs> so the lady was like nice and listened to a couple songs, but she told me this story about how she played the French horn quartet in high school when she oh, was young. No. Or, or she played the French horn when she was young and like she hadn't seen the instrument and just wanted like basically like one last time to hear it. Oh my gosh, like, man. You gotta so, be kidding me. So you, you asked yesterday, you said, um, so what's the story with Trap Kit? The story of Trap Kit is that I don't want any other elderly <laughs> ladies to come up and ask to hear her French horns like ever again. Like I'm still I'm like, haunted by that moment. Like, oh, so, not only did you break her heart, I, I should have. I'm not even like, gonna say a, it, man. You know what you did. You know exactly <laughs> what you did. <laughs> you. I should have got like a, a French. I should have Spotify or something. You know to. Oh my goodness. You know, so, so why did you choose that name? Like, what was the what, point of French horn? No, French horn oh, quartet. Um, I just thought it like I love the idea of like a you know Andy Warhol painting of like pop art of the yeah the four different like pop art like bright color things I yeah. love the idea of four French horns I just find the instrument to be intriguing and I thought it was uh, French sounded like fancy and French horns just sort of, they're like a funny instrument to me it was just like it was this awkward bad it was just a bad band name you know and <laughs> we've uh, all got those yeah I used to go by Heath Johnson that was <laughs> that was ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, um, to mom and dad, for that one. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so the French horn quartet died maybe even that day. I don't know, but um, well, I, I was looking for something. Something did that I, day. I wanted, 
I love the drums, and people will say, well, if I, if I don't have like a bass drum or something, like, why is it trap kit? Where's your drums? So it's kind of like the same discussion with the French horn quartet. But what I do have with trap kit is I grew up on the drums, and I love, I love percussion, I love beats, I love all the stuff that goes along with that. And um, I do a lot of, like my picking style is a mm -hmm. lot of the, the rhythms and different rudiments. So like a paradiddle is left, right, left, left, right, left, right, right. So I will pick that right, left, right, right, left, right, left, left. So I, I have different picking patterns. I use percussive rudiments in picking patterns on a guitar. So it's like you're playing the trap and like, It's like I'm playing the drums on the, the guitar. guitar. Yeah, so, and that's really how I started. So I, I grew up on the drums, and when I went to Arizona State, I had this acoustic guitar, and I didn't know how to play anything. So I would just basically like slap bass it, you know, mm -hmm. and like play these rhythms. Then I learned a G chord. I was like, and then... Uh, so the first songs that I've ever that I wrote that some of them that I still play uh, when I play my set, they're very rhythmic and very like having people like man that's really complicated. And I'm like it's because I I had I didn't know any chords, like turn the song turn yeah. after it's all said and done with we turn and walk away. That anyway that course had four chords because I, I I got up those were the, that was the fourth chord it was the A minor that I learned so I had four chords and that's when I wrote that song. So but it's like really tech, technical and all that stuff because but I only knew that this you know. The E on five and seven, and the A on five and seven, like yeah. they worked kind of. I don't. I still don't know the scales of what those are and that stuff. But it's just been, you know, trial and error. Yeah, I'm but no with different than these videos. With your with your style of playing, with the way you you put your songs together, like I keep trying to figure out. And I should know by now. It's probably my own fault for not paying that much attention. But just where your influences come from, like I know. Who your favorite artists are, mm -hmm. but then I'll listen to them. I don't think that, I don't like, think that it comes from. That's any not of them. what you're yeah. doing. Like you're doing something different. I, I don't know that I have. You know, if you, um, you know, we had on like African jazz last night. And yeah, Kuti and it was it was insane. So, but it's like that's not trap kit. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not emulating those people per se. But what I've learned from them is that they're being the best them, and hmm. they're letting the best them out. And so I've just tried to hone in on what the best me is and how to let that out. And what you hear, that's all I got. That's that's it, man. And if it's strangely unique, for better or that worse, that sounds yeah. that sounds great on paper. Yeah. Try and play that in South Dakota for a hundred people that are yeah. eating or having drinks that aren't paying attention because you're not playing familiar hits. Right. So um, I was quite discouraged about. The fact that every all my original creations were just, and even the covers that I do, um, were they weren't popular enough, they weren't catchy enough, they weren't familiar, and people want people want when they go out to hear music, they want to hear an artist that they know or covers that they know. Or I mean, yeah. we know this. This is the, this is the struggle that we deal with. Yeah. Um, but all the time. I've kind of just said, okay, I'm not going to do that. I guess I'll still play covers of. But I'm not playing covers of like popular radio songs or anything like that. I'm playing what I believe to be like my favorite artists, their best work. And yeah. I learn that and then I'll do my take on that or whatever. But um, I'm just absolutely captivated by uh, what people can do when they're their best. Like, uh, for example, the Milk Carton Kids. Mm -hmm. The song Michigan. It's brilliant. And I... I I mean, I'm not saying this yeah. because you're, you know, you're here, but I kind of dig your version so I, I, and, more and than the original. But I just found a key that worked for me, and I pour, yeah. I pour, I pour so much emotion over that that it's like because I'm so passionate about that that cover song, and uh, 
But those guys were the best of them when they did that song. Yeah. Um, and like the music we were listening to yesterday, though that's these people's like lifetime crowning achievement work. And I'd love to listen to that. Um, Andy Schaff did an album called The Party. And he wrote 110 songs about a party, all from different perspectives, and he picked 11 of them. He's got a song about a poser, showing up the party that's like this phony dude that's like a fraud, and he calls it the magician. Mm. And I'm, I've, I've learned that, and I actually I forget that I know that song, and I I've still have never played it live because I forget every time, and I forget to write it on my set list. I'm going to request it next time. Okay, that's, that'd be great. <laughs> but he is his best him, and he learned all the instruments. So it's um, woodwinds and guitar and like light drums. I guess he's like a heck of a shredder on the drums too. Like, Jeez. but he wrote this whole concept album of eleven songs about a party. That's you know like one of the songs is about going outside. Like he's had a couple of drinks and he asked this girl to go outside and he's like gonna kind of confess that he's got a thing for her. And then he never says what she says, but um, he mentions that she never ever 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 felt the way that he does about her. And then he like backpedals in the, the, the other verses and like tries to get out of it. And then at the end of it, he's like angry at her because she didn't Jeez. reciprocate. And uh, I, have to check I mean, this it's, album it's out. absolutely captivating. Yeah. Um, he, Thomas and I have, have talked about it and love it. And, I, and I've, I've, I've drove all the way to Denver uh, and back to go see him play that and uh, had, had dinner next to him at this place. He just showed up or I was eating and stuff. Um, but he's such a cool guy. Andy Schaff is, and he's amazing. But, my point in bringing him up and, and all these others is they're being the best them and they're doing their best, putting their best foot forward. That's what I've learned from them, not necessarily the chord structure mm -hmm. or how to write a song or any of that stuff. Um, my songs don't typically follow a pop song format. Like I love the idea of starting a song with something and then you, you take it to the next level and you never go back to the beginning. Yeah, I want to talk about that with you because I, I mean, I've told you this before. Like you're... Your songwriting style is something that I cannot, I can't put a finger on it. Like it's some, like I, and I've even had people ask me, when he plays his songs, do you think, do you think they ever sound the same way twice? Because they, because like when you listen to it, it's kind of hard to figure out when you're going to start singing, how long you're going to hold that word yeah, out, and yeah. everything like that. It's, 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 so what is that songwriting, like when you write a song, what is that songwriting process, what does that look like for you? It, I, I wish I had an answer for you, man. Like, <laughs> so, I mean, every time it's different. And, and we, how many songwriter friends do we have, just to, even our common songwriter friends, yeah. uh, from Seattle to New York and, and even overseas and stuff right. that we have? And, um I've got one friend that does uh, lyrics, melody, composure of the like chords on just singer songwriter stuff in fifteen minutes for all of her songs. I have things um, like California, you're killing me. Is a that that guitar line mm -hmm. is something that I wrote when I was like twenty years old. I had a buddy that was over at my house and he was trying to study, so I tried to write something really annoying that that slide up there. I tried to write something that was so annoying that it would like break his focus. And I never put that to a song until, what, maybe eight months ago or a year ago? And that's probably my best received song ever. Oh, it's it's So it's I've been brilliant. sitting on that since I was 20. It's absolutely and, um, brilliant. And I, I love that song because California is always personified as this like land of plenty, right? Mm -hmm. And to me, um, the personal decisions that I had made in California 
my life was awful out there, other than a few, like the things we talked about today, which mm-hmm. seemed, you know, there's some semi-glamorous things to talk about and they make good bullet points and whatnot. But I, as a whole, I was basically like miserable out there. Mm-hmm. And so the song's called California, You're Killing Me because I was just going so hard on everything. And uh, every aspect of my life, work, I was in graduate school, I uh, had started this company, I did all the volunteering stuff, I did all the soda, or the tourlay.tv videos. Mm-hmm. It was just so much, man. I was just got so spent out on it that when I had an opportunity to come back to South Dakota, I jumped on that so fast. And it, like I just I got freedom again here. So uh, Sodak.tv has always been this kind of a threat in the back of my mind. What if it gets as bad as it did in California? That's what I love. Like I kind of have an exit strategy with it, right? 100 By videos. bad, 100 you mean just... Just too, too much, too much hmm. to do in a day. And it would get to the point, I, I'd have video clients calling that they needed things for a re-edit or a re-this or color change, or, and they needed it that day. And like I'd be out of town for five days on a surf trip. Like I can't, I can't, I couldn't produce at the level that California was requiring me to. Plus I was working full-time in an aerospace job um, and in grad school at the same time. So Jeez. Um, it was, it was an insane amount of productivity and all that stuff. But so that, so, I mean, doing the videography and that, that wasn't, yep. That wasn't really a career. It was more like a hobby. Yeah, it was like a hobby that went wild. Yeah. Yeah. And and sometimes, I mean, um, if you landed the right gig, it could be extremely profitable if you did did like a commercial shoot or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I never have really been one to feel comfortable having spikes in income. I'd like to know that if if I'm on a ramen budget, then at least I'm comfortable knowing I'm on a ramen budget. If I'm on like... Surf and turf, lobster and champagne kind of lifestyle. You're like diamonds what to or something. expect. Yeah. So yeah. sometimes in California, it's like diamonds and uh, <laughs> and and lobster tail, and then sometimes it's ramen and like to, how do you balance that out in a place that like encourages excess? Is that a twenty four dollar margarita? Yeah. I'll take a twenty four dollar margarita <laughs> yeah, next week. Uh, I'll have the PBR oh, the please. Two point four dollar margarita. <laughs> I want a tenth of that. Yeah. yeah. So, oh um, man. But I mean, I guess. I mean, that's one of the things that excites me about you, like, musically, is... I, I mean, it's very similar to the Sodag.tv, and it, it, to me, when I think of you, I think of you as Sodag.tv is a, is a sub-category of the Trap Kit moniker and yeah. the, the music that you're putting out there. Because it's so unique, it is so melodically different and brilliant, rather, really to just what's what's currently anywhere near us and anything I think I've ever heard, not even near or far away from us. I'm sure there's probably similar sounds somewhere. I, I just haven't been able to find I don't, them yet. I don't know it. I don't know it either. And I listen and to music a lot. Like that's me too. what I do, um, you know? The most, com- the most compared to band that I've ever had to, to, with Trap Kit has been City in Color. And it's, See, I, I think th- it's just because of like yeah. the, the range of his voice is his... Um, but, but see, but, I mean, he, he holds out his notes and his words. I mean, yeah, like, maybe. I, I almost view my, every time I play a song, whether or not it's like a basic, easy song. Yeah. When I play that basic, easy song, that's two chords and there's like some melody. I'm going to play that like jazz, like I listened to last night. Like I feel, yeah. I feel like the performance is jazz. And on mm-hmm. the, the New York album um, that I did, it was like. I had no idea that it was going to turn out that good. I had no idea that I did as well as I did there until I heard the final mix down after it was like mixed and mastered and was going to be released. I was like, oh, 
okay, like maybe this, this is a rock weird maybe music. This is weird. Yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. this, maybe there is a maybe there is an actual glimmering chance that this could be great. So, um, I don't have a studio album out. I, had, I put out some demos um, in twenty fifteen, four tracks. One of them, which I accidentally uploaded the wrong file. It was a file from my phone that I had on my computer of the song. Oh, than, so it's like it's a really remember that. Uh, really choppy and it's terrible but yeah it was like 81 stores 81 online stores that it was on that and i had to pull the album and pay to redo it and so i was just like i'll just let it ride and nobody's gonna listen to it anyways. <laughs> but uh it's the the new york experience um to play at the rockwood music hall was just absolutely mind-blowing and um i had this great experience with the gal when we were getting settled up that like takes care of all the artists at, at the end of the shows and I thanked her. I said, thank you for letting me bring the sounds of uh, South Dakota here. And she said, like, this is lady does 1,500 payouts a year, right? Mm -hmm. um, she said, no, Andrew, thank you for bringing the sounds of South Dakota here. She said, we need it bad. And I was like, and, and, and she, she was like at, at my show. She, she like was there for part of it. And yeah. I was like, to hear a person of that caliber say that, mm -hmm. it's like if your icon told you, yeah, you're on the right track, you know? Yeah. Um, so I've had a couple of these these little moments that have been like, well, I've got to keep going. You know, with Trap Kid, I don't see an end. Uh, with Trap Kid, I I barely have even seen the beginning. I think. Well, like I said, it's not, it's not a subcategory. Like Trap yeah. Kid is you. Yep. Like the end is when you breathe your last. I yeah. mean, you know, it's 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 more of like, and I've always, like I said, that's just been my my view of of you as a person and. You know, I think I get to know you most when I listen to your songs. Yeah, same, I'd say the same for you. It's yeah. it's stories, it's it's history, it's it's passion, it's all that kind of stuff rolled in rolled into a, a four minute, three minute song that just kind of yeah. takes you on a. It takes you somewhere, man. Because every time I listen to them, I'm sitting there like I used to have your uh, your song as my. Uh, my uh, alarm every time I'd wake up. I'd wake up to, I um, was just a boy. You know how I know. It was well, great. You, you told me that. And then I was like, I don't know if I believe you. And then you showed me. And then I was like, I don't know if I believe him still. I thought you might have just set it up. And then I looked on like my Spotify playlist and, or my like plays. And it showed like that was played the most in like Spearfish South Dakota or something. Like that. I, I, was, like, I wasn't kidding. I was man. just like, and then I was like, well, I hope he gets up. I hope because it doesn't like come in till the very end. I was like, I hope you don't sleep till the very end. No, like for, for me, that that was just one of those. <laughs> like it just it put me. It instantly would always put me in a great mood whenever I'd hear your voice come in that right away in that song. And I just I loved it. I'm like, so I said, I'm gonna just wake up to this for a while. And it it was great. That's it's absolutely awesome. great. And that song's about um, going all the way to Texas to see Robert Ellis play. Yeah. And to hear him play the song called Houston that I love. Like, absolutely captivated by the song. And I saw him at The White Horse, which is this dive bar in Austin. Yeah. And uh, he played old country covers, which, I mean, you would have loved, but I don't, I don't even have a frame of reference for that, really. Oh, that would have been amazing. And everybody was, like, dancing and two-stepping and all the jazz. And I, um, I was just blown away. I was like... Uh, I, I called my friend or texted my friend and he came out and played like an old country cover I was like well he had an interesting opener it wasn't even one of his and another song not his no, no, no. I was like eight songs no Robert Ellis some angry guy actually wrote in all caps do you know any Ellis on a piece of paper and set it up on the keyboard and I chuckled about that like Oh he like, he like, got like elbowed me out of the way to, to set it up there on the keyboard so he could see it. And they came to see him and yeah, he's playing all these play cover songs. And about like two thirds of the way through, uh, Robert Ellis goes, um, something to the extent of he's like, well, you know what you do when you're at the White Horse? And I was like, you, you don't do any of your stuff? And he goes, 
play old country covers and the crowd just roars and i was like but but you're like my you're like my icon oh no you're like my hero though like yeah that's all the songs that i'm listening to and all yeah the um and he he actually recognized me from uh the filming session we had done in sioux falls which is like quite a compliment you know and yeah um but yeah great guy great band i just was so that i wrote that whole song um about leaving empty-handed and being disappointed and all that stuff so yeah and so you did um i mean you know the the highlights i think i could think of your of your musical career rockwood music hall for sure probably number one yeah yeah you did balcony tv oh yeah i forgot about that that was a great experience i mean the video is insane yeah the video is great um that's not in Austin, right? Yeah. And was, the, were you that, down that, there for yeah. that? And that's when so you went the, to... The, the okay. Robert Ellis show was the night before I did, okay. I did Balcony TV. So that's why I was down there for Balcony TV. And uh, he happened to have played there. And um, yeah, it was great. That's cool. I loved that experience. But I, I mean, I like look at what I wore. I had my hat on, you know. And I was up on the 19th floor of this high rise. And the wind was like crazy bad. The guy like engineered the wind out of the sound. It's like amazing. But uh, you can see like I'm leaning down because the wind is so bad that my hat, I don't want a hat. It was like a new hat. I didn't want it to blow off. And about, like, 19 <laughs> like, stories no and like land in the pool and or something like gone. that. You know? so, but yeah, so that was like, it's kind of awkward to play and then like dodge the wind. And I was like, oh, this isn't going to work. They're not going to use this take. And then they did. We only did one take for that. It was great. Now you're, um, would you say what's coming up would be your biggest accomplishment? Yeah. Well, I don't know. It's maybe Rockwood is more because that's like your own show and it's sure. this, this legendary place. But um, I get to open up for the Districts. Um, that's insane. And they're my favorite band in, in the whole world. Who you happen to hear on a YouTube playlist that you YouTube woke up for yeah. while their song was on and they became your favorite band. Yeah, I mean, um, <laughs> they're, they're just stunning, man. And I've never heard such power or like explosive greatness come from four people let alone four people their age. I mean, they, they just turned like 21, I think. Man. And they're, they're just absolutely killing it. They're, I mean, they're playing huge festivals, tens of thousands of people, and we're going to get them in Rapid City for like 125, 150 people. It's amazing. It's insane. So that's coming up, and really looking forward to that. But I really want to put together a, a, um, an EP, like studio-produced EP this year, and get that out by the end of the year, early next year. So we'll see. That. Yeah, I'm, I I bought tickets to that show, and I can't wait to see it. I'm looking forward to seeing, well, one, you. It'll be my first first proper light show that I've ever, like, you know, okay. like, light show jamming with me. So, I mean, I've played with lights and stuff, but never, like, a light technician and all that jazz. So. Well, I've never really listened to the districts. I, I mean, we listened to them last night for, yeah. for quite a while, um, and I, I they're, dug it. They're just, well, I'll have to immerse you in them. Um, yeah, man. I, I don't know. I just got to say, like, it's been, it's been a cool couple of years getting to know you and seeing, seeing things grow. The thing so, I like about, um, like, what you're doing with Sodag.tv, you know, with everything going on currently in, in the hills right now, it just, it, just, it, it feels like something's happening. And I don't really know. Something's, it's like something's coming alive, man. It's great. Yeah, it's, it's like people are coming out of the woodworks and, and people are recognizing and noticing that there's, there's, a, there's a talent up here that... Uh, I think you're a big part of and a, a big uh, one of the, the foundational the people in building that and getting it going. Same so. to you with the South Dakota songwriters and all of the efforts you've done and putting all these people together for these songwriters rounds. It's been insane. And uh, I just happen to have this weird niche with a camera that helps it as well. So we're all, we're all working towards the same cause and I really appreciate it. So. Well, it works. And here's the hoping that Sodak.tv, uh, even though there is a, there is a shelf life on it. Yeah, it lives, that, that lives or for, dies as well. for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see if that shelf life can... 
can last if a few more years yeah. at least because I sure love watching the shows. So. Yeah, well, thank you so much, man. Thanks for having me on. Thanks Cheers. for coming. Cheers, man. Cheers. That's it for the Heath Bar this week, folks. You don't have to go home, but you can stay here. For more information on Andrew, you can find him on Facebook and Instagram with the moniker at TrapKit. And you can also hunt down his music videos that he's been shooting of artists, everything around the area here on Sodec.tv and your web browser. Uh, for more info on the Heath Bar, you can find it at heathbaronline.com. And if you want to become a regular, don't forget to check it out at patreon.com forward slash the Heath Bar. Uh, if you want to shoot me an email, I'd love to talk with any of you. Heath at heathbaronline.com. Hope to talk to you soon. We'll see you next week.